This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio on a football Friday. I'm Bart Winkler. Steelers beating the Titans last night 20-16. to 16. Fun fact about the Steelers. There's been 34 times in NFL history where a team was outgained by their opponent in each of the first eight games. The opponent had more yards than them in the first eight games, every game. The only team to ever have a winning record after those eight games is your 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers, who they don't have a game of more than 235 yards from Kenny Pickett. He's got one game where he's thrown more than one touchdown. They don't have a 100-yard rusher. They're 5-3. and three. Joining us to talk some NFL, NFL writer for CBS Sports. It's John Breach. John, how are the Steelers so I don't even know that they're good. <laughs> how are they five and three? Uh, they have mastered the art of winning ugly. There are some teams like the Dolphins and the Chiefs, they draw a nice Mona Lisa. The Steelers are out there with crayons and drawing like a toddler. You wonder how <laughs> anything looks good. Uh, but you know what? I, I really feel like this is a testament to Mike Tomlin, a testament to their defense, because that's what's carrying them here as as the offense continues to figure out its identity and what works best. Is it Matt Canada upstairs? Is it Matt Canada on the field? Is it letting Kenny Pickett sling it to figure out if he's your quarterback of the future? Is it running the ball? This team looks like it has no offensive identity. They're trying to figure it out week to week, and everybody wants to see Matt Canada fired, but yet they keep winning games. So uh, whatever Mike Tomlin's doing with that defense is clearly working. Certainly Tomlin's great. I mean, if you have Mike Tomlin on the sideline, you're going at least 500. Even after last year when they looked terrible, they had a nice little win streak. Uh, the defense, certainly, they're very good as well. We we know that. Um, they've had skill guys, certainly, as well. Big Ben was their quarterback a long time, and now they've got Kenny Pickett. And I don't know, like, with Jordan Love, we look at the Packers, and we're trying to figure out every week, is he the guy? And Justin Fields, we're trying to figure out every week, is he the guy? And we're already doing that with Bryce Young in Carolina. Is he the guy? I, do we do that with Kenny Pickett, or we do, do do we just, like, let him be? Because Kenny Pickett just seems like, is he good? I don't know. I, I can't figure out if the Steelers are good, and I can't figure out if Kenny Pickett's good. But the guy, just like you said, he, like the Steelers, know how to win. Well, and I think that is the key right there, is winning. If the Packers were 5-2 and two right now and Jordan Love was playing the exact same way, there wouldn't be as many complaints because the Packers would be 5-2. and two. Same thing with the Bears. If they were 
six and two or five and three instead of two and six, people would say, well, Justin Fields is learning on the job, so let's just let him be. And so Kenny Pickett is absolutely getting the benefit of the doubt that this team is five and three and that they have a winning record. And as long as you keep winning, that kind of staves off all the questions. I, it, I feel like if the Steelers were two and six right now or three and five, maybe Matt Canada doesn't have a job, but they just keep winning, which buys this offense more time to kind of figure out what's going on. The NFL this weekend is, uh, well, it rules all the time. But this Sunday, if you, if you like, don't have a team or a horse in the race or you, you don't want to get you know bogged down in the red zone, you could watch four games start to finish uh, starting at 9.30 Eastern in the morning. Dolphins, Chiefs, and then at noon you can watch Ravens, Seahawks, and then at uh, the 4 o'clock window you can watch Cowboys, Eagles, then at night Bills, Bengals. We have a good, good lineup of games this weekend, and it starts with Dolphins Chiefs over under in this one's 50 and a half. I think we're expecting sort of a track meet. You get Tyreek Hill against his old mates. This game's in Germany. What are you expecting from this game? I, I, you know, sometimes we expect these high scoring games and then it's not, but I just don't know how this is not. Yeah. You know, this is crazy because I I think that everybody kind of has that same expectation that this is going to be this wild shootout, but I do think, if it turns into a shootout, that favors the Dolphins. Like, yes, the the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, but I think they're going to have a hard time keeping up with Miami if this game turns into something where both teams are scoring in the 30s. I mean, we're looking at uh, a Chiefs team this year where the defense, they haven't really been carrying it, I guess, because Patrick Mahomes is there, but they have done a lot of the grunt work as far as why this team is winning right now. And and you look at what the Chiefs have done. I I don't think they've given up, what, 21 points uh, or 24 points is the most they've given up in a single game to any opponent this season. Uh, So I I think that the Chiefs really need to keep this under 30 if they want to win. So I I think that this could be more defensive than anyone's thinking. Maybe not, you know, not 17-13. I'm thinking more like 27-24, 30-27. The Chiefs are good, obviously. They've been good. Uh, the AFC Championship game, just they know to go to Arrowhead that weekend. And the Dolphins are good, too. They haven't still really beaten anybody else that's good. There's four teams in the AFC right now. If I were to say you could either have Dolphins and Chiefs or Ravens and Jacksonville and one of your teams is going to go to the Super Bowl, like I would, I think I would rather have Ravens and Jacksonville as my two teams and Dolphins and Chiefs, even with the Chiefs in there, because I think where I'm at is I'm really big on, well, I'm big on Jacksonville, but I'm really big on Baltimore. Yeah, I think Baltimore is uh, really good. I, I, probably the most talented, playing the best football in the AFC right now, I would say. And if you gave me any two teams to match up against the Chiefs and Dolphins, I, if you gave me the Ravens and Bengals, I would take those two in a heartbeat. Uh, over the Chiefs and Dolphins. The one thing that scares me about Miami is, uh, well, two things. One of them you just mentioned is that they haven't beaten a good team yet. We saw them play two teams with uh, winning records, the Bills and the Eagles, and they lost those two two games by an average of 21 points. I mean, that's ugly. And then you also have to worry about how's this team going to look when the weather starts getting cold. I mean, we saw them lose on Christmas Day uh, against Green Bay, bar against your Packers 
Uh, we, we remember that last year. Uh, and so the, it, once that temperature drops below 45 degrees, the Dolphins have been known to struggle. I don't know how well that offense is going to work when it gets really cold. So I think home field advantage is going to mean more than anything to the Dolphins in the playoffs versus any of the other teams in the AFC. We're talking AFC, so I'll ask you here with the uh, Raiders situation, kind of a, I don't know, a shock but not a shock. I mean, if anybody's going to fire their coach – four and a half years before the contract's up, it's going to be Mark Davis. But this is just kind of a case of why were you hiring this guy in the first place in Josh McDaniels? If you want the Patriot way, you go get Bill Belichick. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, sometimes people hire assistants based on how the main coach is. I don't, I don't think that it's that, that transactional. And now the Raiders have, I think off the top of my head, it's like, uh, I don't know, 10 coaches in 15 years. And good for Antonio Pierce for getting the shot, but I don't know. They're going to want a flashy name next year. And then even if I'm a flashy name, what kind of guarantee am I going to get that I'm going to be the coach there? The best thing is sign a long contract because even if you get fired, you still get paid. I don't know that what the Raiders did necessarily improves. Like they're, I just think they're screwed uh, as long as the owner is who the owner is. Yeah, and the thing with Mark Davis is that, besides P.F. Chang's, is he loves the shiny objects of just these big names, whether it's John Gruden. And I don't know that it was Josh McDaniels where, hey, look, I want this big name in here, and that's the only guy I'm going to go after. And so as long as he works with that mentality, it's tough to see how they're going to be successful. And, you know, obviously Josh McDaniels had struggled. I'm not a huge fan of firing coaches midseason. I just don't think that it solves – your problems it just kind of exacerbates them so uh and like you said he still had four and a half years left on his contract let him finish up the season they had the Giants and Jets coming up two very winnable games you win those you're five and five uh but he's gone now and you got to figure out how to take a step forward and it's just hard to see how that organization fixes itself uh with Davis running the show maybe maybe he needs to get Tom Brady in there or someone in his ear uh who can help him make better decisions Talking with John Breach, CBS Sports, talking some NFL here on Writer Than You. I'm Bart Winkler in for Bill today. Uh, this is something I like to point out with the NFC. I like to say, so there's some good teams in the NFC, the Eagles, the Lions, the Niners, and then I'll throw in the Seahawks and the Cowboys because those five teams will probably make the playoffs. Okay, so those five teams are in. Two of the following will also be in. The Commanders, the Giants, the Vikings, the Packers, the Bears, the Falcons, the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Rams. Two of those teams will make the playoffs. I just named zero good teams, though, John. The NFC bottom of that playoff bracket is going to be rough. Hey, if you're a fan of an NFC team, though, you are thrilled right now. You're, if you're a Rams fan, you're thinking, my God, we're 3-5, and five, but we could absolutely make the playoffs uh, in this conference. So that part of it... Uh, you have to be pretty excited, but yeah, I mean, it is the NFC is so top heavy. It feels like, you know, it felt like for most of the year it was Eagles, 49ers, and then Lions, Seahawks, Cowboys in that second tier. Now it just feels like Eagles in tier one with Lions, Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers in tier two, and then just it's total chaos in tier three. I think right now, if I had to pick two teams out of that giant group, that total mess that you just named, uh, I, I like the Falcons, especially now that Arthur Smith was willing to make a QB change. I think Taylor Heineke is better for that offense. And, oh, man, I, I, the, 
the Saints maybe? Is the NFC South going to get two teams in there? I, I guess I would go Falcons Saints right now. Well, what, it's got to be one NFC South team for sure. Um, right, right. I, I left them out of it, but then, yeah, I mean, the next one is totally up for grabs uh, with a lot of these teams currently sitting three and four, three and five, somewhere in there. Maybe we'll see some more clarity this weekend. I'd like to get some more clarity on the Dallas Cowboys, one of your Super Bowl teams. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are kind of like the Dolphins of the NFC right now, where they're not beating anybody that's really good. They also lost to Arizona. I don't know. I, I'm not like, Philadelphia at home, you know, late fall afternoon game Cowboys coming in. This seems like a spot where Philly will and should win. There's something in me that thinks Dallas is going to go and get the job done, John. Yeah, it is really crazy. And like you said, the Cowboys have been very Miami ish where they haven't beaten uh, good teams. They're winning the games they're supposed to win, which is what you have to do if you want to get to the playoffs. But if you want to advance in the playoffs, you eventually have to beat good teams, uh, which they have not been able to do this year. Uh, but I agree with you. I just the way the Cowboys are playing right now, it just seems like they're completely clicking. Uh, and if you look at Dak Prescott's history against the, the Eagles, he's just played extremely well whenever he has played Philadelphia and so I would not be surprised at all. I think I'm in the same – I agree with you. I think, I think it feels like a week where the Cowboys somehow pull off this upset. And I think this is a win they need more than Philadelphia needs, which, you know, it sounds a little weird at this point. But they just need to prove they can beat a good team. And if you do it on the road in Philly in this huge NFC East showdown, that kind of says, all right, we're not just playoff contenders. We're Super Bowl contender now, so start, start talking about us like that. If the NFL got together, broader picture one here, if the NFL got together, every you know power player in the room, because I think right now the NFL's in a good spot. Things are good. Uh, there's not a lot of controversies. Yeah, things pop up here, there, whatever. But the NFL's in a pretty good spot right now. If they were to look at what the biggest thing that they could correct is, the biggest challenge facing them, um, you know, we saw a guy go down last night in Traylon Burks, and there's always – now with DeMar Hamlin in the back of our heads, there's always the the threat of that, the scare of that. Um, I, I still think, like, officiating is something that might be their biggest bugaboo right now. Some of these roughing the passer calls. I mean, we see all these commercials for flag football, but let flag football be flag football. Let's not make, let's not make the NFL flag football. By 2028, maybe that's why they're advertising it so much because they want it to be flag football, is is officiating their biggest thing that they could correct right now, this league? Yeah, I definitely think it's their most controversial issue, uh, but it doesn't feel like the NFL has any incentive to fix it, because what you have is people like us complaining about all the calls from the night before or the Sunday before, and then we move on. So unless the call happens in the Super Bowl, then you spend the whole offseason talking about it, then everybody just moves on within a week, and it's like it never happened. I mean, even one of the most controversial penalties ever the, the, in the Rams-Saints game, the pass interference no call, uh, that got a rule change done, but then everyone regretted the rule change, and then here we are back at square one five years later. So I, I do think it's an issue, and I know that some people think that making the officials full-time would fix that issue, but I'm not sure even that would fix it because then what, then what if there's still problems? Then, you know, how do you, you have robots calling the penalties? Uh, are you reviewing every single penalty? Uh, which is what 
uh, Jim Irsay wants. He wants to see every penalty reviewed in the final two minutes. I don't think something like that is crazy, but I don't think you can change the scope of the game because if you start reviewing every penalty, it's going to slow it down. Game's going to be four and a half hours. No one wants that. So I think Irsay's Irsay's proposal is as drastic as I think you could get and still kind of keep the game flow going. Well, I'm surprised Jim Irsay would say something that uh, isn't uh, practical. Wow. Hey, John, good to catch up with you again. Great to talk to you. Thanks for your time as always. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of week nine. Yep. Thanks for having me, Bart. John Breach joining us, CBS Sports NFL writer. You can follow him on X if you would like as well. Yeah. Um, some of these other leagues, I was talking about baseball before. Baseball, you think ba- baseball would kill for the kind of coverage the NFL gets on some of these missed calls or controversial calls. The NFL has no, they really don't have any incentive. Because there's, oh, we're so mad. We're so mad. And then we just are not. We're that mob in the Simpsons that has the pitchforks and we come up and then we get to the front door and we just, we don't do anything. We just say, we're mad. And then we go home Uh, and and when we get ready for the next game. So yeah, the NFL, you change officiating. Why? Nobody, nobody stays mad at us. We, we found the perfect blend of creating controversy that isn't really that big of a deal. 855-212-4227. We'll do buy or sell coming up next. This is Writer Than You. I'm Bart Winkler in for Bill, CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio, Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder on this Friday. What he would probably tell you right now is to remind you, if he was here, that you can stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. That's brought to you by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app. You just have to ask Alexa to open Westwood One Sports, or you can check it out on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone restrictions may apply. It's time for buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Bart, ahead of Sunday night football that has the Bills in Cincinnati to take on the resurgent Bengals, the GOAT Tom Brady urged Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen to run the ball less. Someone like Josh, for example, that I see has this amazing ability that not a lot of guys have. Size, speed, strength. I think sometimes he gets used and he wants to run it because he knows he can gain yards. There's a lot of confidence in it. But the only problem is 
from my standpoint, you're putting yourself in harm's way. And when you put yourself in harm's way, it doesn't take much, you know, to for someone to land on you. For example, I've had I separated my left shoulder, I separated my right shoulder. In fact, in a quarterback sneak, uh, we played when I was at Tampa. I separated my right shoulder on a quarterback sneak on the goal line. Milano from in the end zone separated my right shoulder, and it bothered me the rest of the season. Bart Allen is tied for seventh among all quarterbacks this season in rushing attempts, along with Patrick Mahomes. My question to you, buy or sell Josh Allen will need to run the ball for the Bills to beat the Bengals this week. So sometimes when they say that quarterbacks shouldn't run as much, uh, and Tom brought it up there, I'm on a first-name basis, so it's Tom it's Tom Brady, with you and uh, with Tom Brady. He says, uh, you know, there's a threat of injury, which is a valid concern, so you need to learn how to get tackled the right way or, or go down maybe a yard or two before you really force contact. I think when you try to have quarterbacks not run the football, you see some quarterbacks that get so dependent on it that they maybe have one read and then they run. One read and then you run. You you, you should run when you need to run. Maybe the play is um, you know, not materialized. There's a lot of times where quarterbacks that don't even run, they'll just drop back and they've noticed that, oh my God, there's nobody in the middle of the field. This is the easiest 10 yards I could ever get. I don't want to see Josh Allen change. Part of what Josh Allen, part of what makes him Josh Allen is that he can run, that there is the threat to run. Will he need to run the ball this weekend to win? Yes, I will buy that. Bye. That's what makes Josh Allen Josh Allen. You know, I think this is a matchup of two guys that I consider franchise quarterbacks, and part of what makes Josh Allen one of those guys is that he does have that ability to run and scramble when a play when a play breaks down, uh, Josh Allen, I can't picture him as just a pure pocket passer. So no, I I don't think he should run less, and I think they're going to need him to run because I don't know what Tom has been watching, but the Bills haven't had a good running back since like Thurman Thomas. With all due respect to Marshawn Lynch and uh, who are who who are other Bills running backs? They've <laughs> exactly, had? they just signed Leonard Fournette to their practice squad. Can I think of one other Bills running back, like pre pre twenty eighteen, right now, off the top of my head? Uh, no. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think of one. I can't either. I, I mean, I I go back to Marshawn Lynch, and then I'm drawing a blank. Oh, I missed the big one. Ready, Fred Jackson. Ah, we should have got that one. Ooh, I missed another big one. LaShawn McCoy. Oh, Willis McGahee, CJ Spiller, Travis Henry. Come on, Bart. All right. I guess with a lot of those guys, I associate them with other teams, though. But you're right. We should have got a handful of them. Yeah, Willis McGahee, you associate with Miami Hurricanes more than Buffalo. LaShawn McCoy, Eagles. Travis Henry. I don't know if I remember really Travis Henry. I was going to say Tennessee because Derrick Henry, but he did also <laughs> go. To, he did go to Tennessee. Oh my goodness! All right, so buy Josh Allen, sell Bills running backs. All right, Bill and our Bart. Let's continue with running quarterbacks here. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is seventeen and one in his career against NFC teams as a starter. But Bart, as Baltimore prepares for Seattle this week. Jackson said he isn't allowing himself to think about it. 
Baltimore has won three straight overall, while Lamar has the fourth best odds to win MVP this year. Buy or sell Lamar Jackson continuing his dominance over the NFC this week? I'm going to buy that. Buy. I think this game kind of goes according to the same script that the Lions one did, where NFC team comes in, should be a good game, but Baltimore, I really do like Baltimore's chances to get out of the AFC this year. I might go so far to say that if I could start a franchise and pick one quarterback, I might pick Lamar Jackson. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, Mahomes? Do I want Mahomes? Jalen Hurts, I think, is another guy that I would consider as the top guy. Joe Burrow? I like. Uh, I really like Lamar Jackson. I am a. I am an LJ eight era kind of guy. I'm gonna. I'll marinate on that. I'll marinate on that. But right now, my rough draft take is: if I could start a franchise and have one quarterback, that I would go with Lamar Jackson. Wow! I didn't expect that out of me. I didn't expect that out of you either. But Bart, <laughs> let's talk about a franchise who needs to find a quarterback. Raiders All-Pro wide receiver Devontae Adams said the team isn't rejoicing now that head coach Josh McDaniels is gone, but he did acknowledge that the team was at a crossroads. It's not a celebration that we, you know, we have a new coach and, you know, there's, there's been changes made. We obviously, I think it was time, um, one, way or the, one way or the other, it was time for some sort of change um, just to bring a little juice in and, and, you know, revitalize the team a little bit. And I think it's more of a mindset that we're trying to, um, you know, not force, but just have moving forward to to just be as positive as possible. Bart, buy or sell you have confidence in order Mark Davis to make the proper hire for their next head coach. Um, apparently Tom Brady and Jim Gray and whoever else is on that podcast are like his um, like yes men or his counsel of who he's talking to. I believe Larry Fitzgerald is on that podcast, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that he makes the right choice. Sell. I'll tell you what'll happen. What'll happen is that these guys are gonna rally around Antonio Pierce, just like they rallied around Rich Bisaccia, and the right hire is gonna be right in front of you. But like, what what does Antonio Pierce need to do to get a job, to get a full time job with the Raiders next season? He's probably Could not he, getting it regardless, regardless of what he does. What if he wins a Super Bowl? I don't think he's getting it. I think Mark Davis would still hire somebody else. Even if he won a Super Bowl, I still think he would hire somebody else. Yeah, I don't. And I'm glad that he's getting this opportunity. He's been coaching for a while since he was playing. And maybe this puts him into running in other jobs where it wouldn't have happened. Or I don't know. But now he's going to be an interim head coach in, in Pierce. But I don't know. I think I think Mark is going to want to do the flashy thing. I mean, they moved from Oakland to Las Vegas. It, it, this is all about the flashy thing. I'm going to sell that he makes the right decision. I'm also going to... I'm going to sell Devontae Adams. Sell. Like, Devontae Adams regrets being traded from Green Bay. I 100% believe it. And I'm not sure if he knows it and just doesn't want to admit it. Or isn't ready to admit it yet. Devontae... There's too many of these receivers that, like... The amount of catches they get matters more to them if they win or lose. I think Devontae's that kind of guy. I was trying to figure out with some other Packer people on my podcast, the Bart Winkler Show, what's the what's the right level of catches that Devontae Adams would need 
where he would still be mad in a win. And I think it's six. I think if he got six catches and they won, he'd still be upset. But if he got seven catches and they lost, he'd be happy. (laughs) Does that make sense? Does he need a touchdown in there too? No, but he needs at least like 85 yards. Yeah. Certainly the one catch that he had on Monday night isn't going to get it done. No. So I'm selling Devontae Adams. Sell. All right, Bart, let's get some college football here. LSU and Brian Kelly are looking to beat Nick Saban in Alabama in back-to-back years. Remember, Bart, the Tigers beat the Crimson Tide 32-31 to in overtime last year in Baton Rouge. Alabama is three-point favorites tomorrow at home in Tuscaloosa. Buy or sell, Bart, losing to LSU in back-to-back seasons would be more disappointing for Alabama than missing the college football playoff in back-to-back seasons? Uh, I'll I'll be a little quicker on this one. I think missing the college football playoff would be more justified. You lost to Texas at home. Okay, the team's gotten better since then. So you look back at that game and you think, oh, that's a bummer, but you're going to finish a good season. Um, And then if, like, you lose to Georgia or whatever, there's a lot of teams still in front of you. You can't lose to LSU two years in a row, and they're still, like, an up-and-down kind of team. Uh, they're six and two, I think. So they're they're playing better, but they're not going to make the college football playoff. I'm going to say that a loss to LSU would be more disappointing. Bye, bye. All right, Bart. You mentioned how it's a fantastic slate of games on Sunday in the NFL. Well, we have one on Saturday that rivals it. Even if you don't include LSU Alabama, it's still a massive slate. We got number 23 Kansas State at number seven Texas, number 12 Missouri at number two Georgia. Number nine, Oklahoma at rival. Number 22, Oklahoma State. Cal at number six, Oregon. And out in the Pac-12, soon to be the Pac-2. Number five, Washington at number 20, USC. Now, as I rattled off all those games, Bart, buy or sell out of the five hopeful playoff teams. That's Texas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Washington. One of those teams will be upset tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. Bye. And I think it's going to be Washington. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Well, they can they've they've been kind of struggling. Wow, you certainly don't agree with me then that Washington deserves to be the number 1 team in the country right now. Number 1? They have the best win in the country beating Oregon. No, Texas has the best win. Well, well, out of the top 5 teams, out of the teams Okay, okay. They have the best win. And they're undefeated. What more do they need to do? I don't care that they struggled against Stanford and Arizona State. They won. All right. Well, follow my logic here because it might not make sense. I predicted that Notre Dame would beat USC, not because of anything USC related, but because Notre Dame lost to Louisville. And, of course, Notre Dame, like, Notre Dame season, they missed out on a college football playoff. Of course they're going to beat USC then. So USC is going to miss out because they lost these games that they shouldn't. Of course they're then going to beat Washington when it doesn't matter when it's too late. So my whole thinking is USC-based. I like USC to beat Washington. And it doesn't make any sense, but come Saturday night, you'll see the light. I understand what you're saying. I follow your logic. It does make sense. But it really kills my argument that Washington's the best team in the country, so I don't like it. Best team is Michigan. 
You lead me right into our next question then. Earlier this week, Big Ten coaches gave Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti an earful on wanting Jim Harbaugh and Michigan punished for their alleged, I think I could still say alleged, sign-stealing scandal. Yesterday, it was Big Ten athletic directors. It was their turn. They followed suit and urged Petiti to step up and take action against the Wolverines. Bart Byersell, it's realistic that the Big Ten will punish Michigan this season. No, sell. Sell. They're not going to do anything. You don't punish. No, the Big Ten wants a national champion. They're not going to punish their best shot at one. You want to know, you want to know the, you want to know what sucks? I'll tell you what sucks. Michigan stealing all these signs, allegedly. But there's something nefarious going on. And I'm not like. I'm a real gray area guy when it comes to what's cheating and what's gamesmanship and what's getting an edge. I really am. But you know what's going to happen? Is they're going to face Michigan, uh, Ohio State rather. And they're not going to they're not going to do anything close to sign stealing or cheating cuz they want to be on the up and up, right? Do you know how many calls Ryan Day is going to get from Nebraska and Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan State and Penn State and Rutgers and everybody else in that conference that are going to give Ryan Day, unsolicited, free advice, free tips, free things they notice about Michigan because they want to see Michigan go down. Ohio State is going to get so much information they should not have that I I have to I have to root for Michigan to win. Michigan in all this, they're the good guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know how you got there, but okay. I did you know Ohio State's gonna get a ton of information. You know they are. And that's going to be okay because we want Michigan to lose? I, mean, I agree with you. I'm not outraged by anything Michigan did. I mean, look, Connor Stallions can't be on the Central Michigan sideline recording with what seems to be, you know, sunglasses during a night game. But, like, look, it, the fact you can't scout, like, live scout is utterly ridiculous. And you want to get rid of sign stealing? Put communication systems in the helmets. It eliminates everything that we're talking about. It's so silly. You know, someday, generations from now, there will be people on these kind of shows talking about if it's legal to time travel to the future to see what <laughs> plays teams run and then uh, go back in time and stop them. So. Sign me up for that. <laughs> All right, Bart, let's get to one last one here, and I think I'm going to set you off here because it's baseball, but it's not World Series related. Ooh. 43-year-old Nelson Cruz has officially retired from baseball and I think you already know where I'm going with this question. The seven-time All-Star finished with 464 career homers, leading the league once back in 2014, and he also led the league once at RBIs back in 2017. I'm not going to ask you buy or sell if he's a Hall of Famer, but I am going to ask you, Bart, buy or sell Nelson Cruz deserves Hall of Fame consideration. I think he deserves consideration by... Bye. But I don't, I don't know. He was wrapped up in the biogenesis thing, and the, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Again, I don't great care. area. It doesn't bother me. Again, doesn't bother does, me either. Maybe it says a lot about me that none of these things bother me anymore. Like I don't care. No, you're right. I'm, I'm with you. I, I like when my guys try to win. I don't know. Don't we want? Don't isn't the goal to win? Um, I know that's a twisted take for some. I, I usually with the Hall of Fame, my, my answer is always if you have to ask, the answer is no. And so that's where I kind of am. And then I also think the Hall of Fame, one of my arguments that the Hall of Fame should be, I, I don't want to go to Cooperstown someday 
and then go out to the parking lot with my kid and then pull up Wikipedia and tell him about all the other people that should be in there but aren't. Like, the Hall of Fame, I feel like, should tell the story of the sport. Can you tell the story of the sport of baseball without Nelson Cruz? With all due respect, I think you can. Uh, I, I do not consider him a Hall of Famer. Is that harsh? No, I'm with you. But every time I look at his career numbers, they're always better than I think they were. Well, but some of that is, you know, he played long. If he retired at 38, he'd have how many less home runs, and then he wouldn't be as close to 500. I, I don't know. So, I don't know. With all due respect, he I, I'm a big Nelson Cruz guy. He started his career as a Milwaukee Brewer. Uh, people forget. Let's get an update from a guy no one can forget about, the incomparable Peter Schwartz. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio, Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder here today. Good to be with you on this Friday. Want to thank our friends at Fairfield by Marriott. They are the official hotel partner of the NCAA. They've got over 1,000 locations around the country. And you'll always have the home field advantage with Marriott. Visit Fairfield.com to book your stay. Home field advantage this weekend. Number five, Washington is going to be traveling to the Coliseum tomorrow to take on number 20, USC. The Trojans have lost two of their last three games. The lone win in that stretch was that game against Cal by a point. 50-49, I think. Meanwhile, the Huskies are looking to stay unbeaten and build their playoff resume for Tuesday's rankings coming out. Uh, I'm Bart Winkler. Tom, so you're upset about Washington not being in the, the, the rankings where Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State, and then uh, Washington. Washington runs the table they'll be in because, although I don't know. So, okay, you want to know what the my thoughts were? I don't think the rankings matter in terms of, um, like, do they think Ohio State's the best team in the country? I don't know. Do they think Georgia's two? Do they think Michigan's three? I don't think that any of that is what they're doing right now. I think what the rankings, what they do, is set up so that you can't look back and say, well, they were four here. They, they're just protecting themselves from arguments. So what I took away from the rankings was there's the possibility that the committee would put a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State in over an undefeated Washington. That I got shot down by many people I proposed that to. But the thing that really this tells me is that all Florida State needs to do is be undefeated and they are locked in. Otherwise, Washington would be four and Florida State would be five. So I think what what the committee did was Florida State is four because they've already done enough. They're going to go undefeated, win the ACC, and they're going to put Florida State in and they will be in. That's what the committee did. That's why Florida State's four and Washington's five. I think it's utterly, utterly ridiculous that Washington is not in the top four. Florida State has played absolutely nobody. Georgia's strength of schedule is 100th. 100th. Michigan is 111th. 111th. Georgia is number two because they've won the last two titles. It's a legacy vote. They've played nobody. And if you want to tell me, like, oh, it's because Washington has struggled the last two weeks to beat Stanford and Arizona State. Does anybody remember when Georgia was tied in the fourth quarter against Auburn and won by a one possession? Like, does I, it's just it's not set criteria for every single team. We look at teams differently, and like you said, they're trying to think ahead, and that's not what the name of the game is for week one of these rankings. 
It's have the same criteria for each team, no matter who it is, what conference they play in, or what their schedule is going to be the rest of the way. And that's what drives me crazy. Well, I think we need to remember, and we'll look back at this four-team era as we expand next year, as um, this was never a playoff. This was an invitational. The, the, you, there, was, there was no qualifications. And, yeah, we look at common sense and say, oh, they're undefeated. You know, we're, we're doing it that way. But they can put in whoever they want. And we'll argue it, but as long as they have a, you know, a reason, they, they can put in whoever they want. They can put in Colorado if they wanted. They could say, I don't know, they play pretty good. Like, they would never do that, but they could, is what I'm saying. This is an invitational. And I was wondering what was going to happen if every conference had one undefeated team. We were looking like we were going to get there. We'll see what Washington does this weekend. Florida State, I'm assuming, is going to run the table. Georgia, uh, that game against Alabama is going to be tough if, if that's what the SEC championship game is. Obviously, someone will lose between Michigan and uh, Ohio State. But if there were five undefeated Power 5 teams in four spots, who would they have left out? I, I, don't know that they, I don't know that they know. And we would probably argue, you'd probably argue it should be Florida State, but I, I, I think the committee would have put in Florida State over Washington because of legacy, which sucks, but I think they would have done that. Bart, you mentioned Florida State is probably going to run the table here. They don't have another ranked opponent on their schedule. Like, what are we doing here? They got Alabama. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's North Alabama. My bad. It's just like they play nobody, and they're going to be the fourth best team in the country. Give me a break. They played LSU. Well, I'm saying the rest of the way. They said they're going to run the table. They have nobody left. Of course they're going to run the table. You got to go at, you got to go to Pittsburgh this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) The ACC is down, and I don't think it should be automatic. Whoever wins the ACC gets in. I just don't. Well, I, that's why I'm glad there's an expansion is because, well, but then, but now it just was so dumb that it's a four-team playoff and you have five power conferences. And then there were some years where they took two teams from conferences. It's like, what? It was just weird. I like that at least there's some sort of, there is a rule now. If you win your conference, you get in. By the way, what are, what are, what are those other two Pac-12 schools going to do? Are, are we going to have a two-team Pac-12? Two next year? I mean, it that... seems like they're probably going to join the Mountain West over like a course of time. Like they're going to play a Mountain West schedule, I think, the next two seasons, and then slowly integrate to being official members. Mm. Fun. I uh, am really jacked up for tonight. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to be at this in-season tournament game for the NBA. <laughs> I, I think this. I think this idea sucks. It, no, it's it's adding, it's getting more conversation for NBA regular season games. Uh, but I don't even know if that's true. A lot of people have been watching, like, Webb and Yama, and there's a lot of storylines already. I don't know that we needed this. Adam Silver saw what they do in soccer in Europe, and he's trying to apply that, but he doesn't have the infrastructure to it. The My biggest honest complaint about this is people are not sure if these games count for the regular season. I had somebody text me that last night. Uh, they do, except for the final. And then there's group play. Why did we have a group draw? Why didn't we just use our divisions? It would have been a real good way to highlight and remind people that your NBA team is actually in a division. Instead, they're playing random teams from the East just to do like the World Cup draw aspect to it. So that honestly annoys me. 
that should if you're going to do this, do it with your divisions. Don't just make up new divisions, and then next year you're going to make up new divisions again? Or is this always our NBA Cup division? There's a lot of thought put into something that shouldn't exist in the first place. But it's a tournament game, and I'm going to go and cheer my butt off tonight at the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. Tom, good to talk to you again. You have a good weekend. I'm Bart Winkler, in for Bill Ryder. Bill back on Monday, CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 